like I said, the monsters were all about Al Lewis and uh, Fred Gwynn playing off each other. And the fact that they think they're a normal blue collar family. Yeah, yeah, they think they're the monsters think they're normal. Yeah, they they are they aren't into oh well, let's buy a house where a serial murder happened. Oh wow, well, it'll it'll be gone soon. I'm it's already sure. been canceled. <laughs> canceled? It wasn't even picked up. That's what. Well, they did air the pilot. Well, yeah, the idea was is that they were going to repackage the pilot as like a Halloween special, and that maybe the thought was they would do quarterly, like. Um, movie of the week type specials with them but they didn't get the monsters at all it was more of an adams family vibe i know that's what i meant but but adams family the movies only worked because it had christopher lloyd and raul julia well you know what it was and the other reason why they worked is the fact that um in respect to the source material yeah well yeah and you know they wasn't trying to be like a send-up making jokes of it Whereas this was like, okay, we know this is a camp show. Now we're just going to, you know, in, take inside shots at it. And who, the guy that they got for Grandpa, he was terrible as Grandpa. You, Grandpa Munster was like a very funny, warm character. This guy was like a killer. Like a killer? Yeah, he was a killer. <laughs> yeah, Neil, in the first episode, they actually killed a guy to get Herman a new heart. Oh, See, that's just wrong. The original plan was actually where Eddie was going to maul the other campers in the beginning, but they sort of shied away from that barely. Yeah. Barely. I mean, you saw how hard that one kid in the sleeping bag got hit against a tree. He should have been dead. <laughs> oh my god, Chuck. I can't believe you watched. Did you watch the whole thing? <laughs> Uh, actually, I only really saw towards the end of it because it was on uh, a Friday night, and I have other you know commitments on a Friday. But uh, so, I mean, from what I, from what I saw, it was because I was looking forward to it. But from what I saw, I was like, no. Uh, well, they tried the they did this really bad fake out thing with Herman, where they showed the silhouette, and it's a classic Herman silhouette. And then what what's what's his name from uh, Stand by Me walks up to the light, and and he looks like a regular guy. Yeah. And it was like the potter plant behind his head gave the shape and the and the shape of the bolts and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fuck you. Well, you know what was funny is the reason why they had to air it is because they spent so much money on it. It's like they could not eat the money or else the, the network would have really would have had like a problem. This makes the 80s Monsters revival look downright inspired. Oh. Well, the, the 80s revival wasn't that bad, if I remember correctly. It's just that it seemed a little off because everything was in color. And I, I think, you know, Herman was a little too green and stuff like that. Well, when they did the original pilot for the Munsters, they were all blue. And it looked really off. And they had the they had Phoebe instead of uh, Lily. And I think Phoebe was way too young and way too sexy for the character and Lily's much more motherly, hmm. which is exactly what the series needs, in my opinion. Now, now Adam's family, Morticia was hot. I'm the only one. Yeah, I never really thought of her that way. Well, she was squeezing like a size four dress. 
It well, you know, what was funny is that she, you know, the story goes, uh, she really made her way around uh, Hollywood. Really, I did not know that. Yeah, there, there was when she died. Um, there was a story printed in a newspaper. It was like, uh, t- you know, it was two old actors. Um, oh, I forget who it was, but one, of, what was her real name? Um, uh, I forget what her real name. Um, well, it was like one guy was driving in a car, the other guy was walking in the street, and the guy on the in the car says, "Yo, hey!" Screams out the window, "Hey, I just slept with so and so," and the guy on the street responded with, "Who hasn't?" The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. This is your host, Ben. Remember my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. Tell Grimlock about petrol rabbits again. And joining us is Chuck. Hey, guys. Glad and, to be back. And, and, uh, and this time, you can talk about Transformers. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, Neil stole my line, but it, he delivered it well. But it was my joke in the first place. <laughs> well, that's fine. Well, that's fine, but... Okay. okay. I'm stealing another line. <laughs> okay, so tonight we are talking about Transformers, but not just G1 or Beast Wars or 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 Prime or Beast Machines or any of those shows. No, we're talking about strictly Japanese Transformers. And what I mean is everything that came under the Transformers banner that came from Japan. Well, the one thing I always feel I need to stress with people is they need to realize that when it comes to G1 Transformers, there were three separate and distinct continuities. There was the comics, there was the American cartoon, and then there was the Japanese cartoon. Now, the problem with the American cartoon is after the movie, um, the movie, just so you, I don't know if you guys knew this, only grossed three thousand dollars for yeah. its entire run. Whoa! Uh, yeah. Now, to, then they give you a little insight. The 2007 live-action movie grossed three thousand dollars in its first thirty seconds. Jeez. You know, and uh. it was a, it was a abysmal. Not only was it an abysmal failure financially, it also hurt the brand and that interest really started being lost in transformers you figure it was the late 80s i think the tur- the teenage mutant ninja turtles were just about to be debuted and um you know it was like hasbro just basically said well not i really don't, shouldn't say hasbro but sunbow because sunbow was also going out of business because they lost a lot of money because you know besides transformers gi joe my little pony those movies failed um, so they were hemorrhaging money, and 
That's why the series went off the air the way it did. Now, in Japan, it was kind of interesting because we got the original animated movie in 1986. Japan did not get it until 1991. And apparently this is not a unique occurrence over there that when it comes to animated properties you know when dealing with both sides of the atlantic movies and stuff will come will be done later i don't know why you know i mean they had their own continuity basically when they did scramble city to introduce the season um three characters and all of that but um with, with headmasters and you know those three the two other unique um, series. The big thing was is that they were trying to step away from the concept of sentient robots. Mm. Um, but they realized they couldn't do it, you know, straight off. They have they had to, you know, ease their way into it, and that you know the history of the Transformers is was such as that they would never be able to fully do it. So Which that's is ironic they, because the original toy lines that the Transformers were based off of were piloted uh, robots. Yeah. Right. And that's actually why it wasn't until the late 80s that Transformers started doing well in Japan because you had Japanese children who, number one, already had a large amount of these toys because these were just basically repaints without or slight remolds without those little pilot figures and number two the concept of sentient robots is just not something that's appealing to the japanese audience they they i think the best way to explain it is they're not so much into science fiction as they're into science fact it's more believable for them for human scientists to be able to build giant robots they can control that can transform than to have aliens from another planet come to Earth and adopt Earth vehicle identities. Interesting, interesting. Um, here's uh, – so so when we first start with the Japanese picking up the Transformer ball, I mean their Scramble City, of course, is the first mm. real foray. Am I right, guys? Yeah. And that one had some okay, it's stunk. Well, the biggest problem with it, uh, I didn't, I didn't think it was terrible. I, the biggest problem was that it, it didn't end. <laughs> that that that's a very uh, unique way of putting it. I mean, that's basically any Japanese anime that I have seen. That's like the pure anime and not Americanized. It never, it doesn't end. It goes like on and on, fun. my friends. It, it's like you see the final episode and it's like there's no ending. It's like the stories are left dangling or what have you. I don't know if that's an anime thing, but... Uh, not always. Not always. Because not necessarily. There are, there are animes that do have definitive endings, yeah. but uh, I can see why the Japanese chose to do that with Transformers because basically there, there were so many iterations after that. I mean, there was... Next was the, the Headmasters animated cartoon which other than the horribly incestual homoerotic uh, scenes in the uh, <laughs> in the closing trailers of spike oh. and uh, daniel yeah it was kind of uh, weird well, well let me ask you guys something you are aware that um 
the Scramble City story continued in the toy commercials in Japan. That's true. You know, it was like they um, basically started um, taking clips from Scramble City and intersecting it with stop-motion animation of the new toys. So, I mean, what that story was, I really wouldn't be able to tell you. Okay, well, let, let's move through the the series that follow after Scramble City. Like I said, there's Headmasters. Yeah. If, I, if I remember correctly, Optimus Prime does show up in Headmasters, and he and Rodimus team up to grab a Galvatron and throw him through a wall while Galvatron's legs are flailing, shouting, Bullshit! Well, he does a bit more than that. The Optimus Prime's sole role sole role in that in that whole series is uh um because he released the power of the matrix uh vector sigma is off balance or something and and uh the decepticons have arrived to uh that's kind of whatever he should be convoy if we're going to do that (laughs) but the decepticons have shown up to bias vector sigma to kind of tilt the balance to their end so they can be on so they can inhabit cybertron and the autobots have to leave or something like that i don't quite understand the logic but they again japan has its own concepts and and uh, yes and, and by the way just to clear that up in japan decepticons are destrons and autobots are cybertrons yeah and the planet cybertron is what what it's like it's like the same word but it's pronounced slightly differently it's was it like sabertron or something <laughs> sabertron yeah yeah oh god and uh I, I, Headmasters had some problems. So there was there was a train gestalt that looked shitty. <laughs> there was a well, he didn't look shitty in the cartoon. The toy was kind of there was a it, good reason why that, that the cartoon either Neil. There was a good reason why that toy didn't come here, and it's because it was crap. But you know they they did their best kind of adapting it to the cartoon. I don't think it looked that bad, but there was there was the one guy who's like green and orange. Yeah, that that kind of yeah, that there was, was bad colors. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to gloss over Headmasters because you can find it on YouTube if you want to. And well, I, it th- doesn't really do anything revolutionary, in my opinion. I have the Metrodome. Is it Metrodome? The, the, the people who made the first DVD set of it. And there is an awesome, awesome, and by that I mean terrible, <laughs> English dub. <laughs> and uh, the Star guy who did TV. the... The guy who did the the commentary on that said that it was like nothing short of uh, just astonishing, and I I can't find any better way to uh, to articulate that. It is. <laughs> it's it's a dub made by people who apparently never watched Transformers. That happens, Neil. There are people who have never seen Transformers. I know it's hard to believe. Yeah, but to do the dub for it. <laughs> but uh, what was after? What was after? Uh... Headmasters was it that one with God Jinray? Yeah, Master, yeah, yeah, Master Force. Force. Yeah, the, instead of Optimus Prime, there's this teenage Japanese Japanese kid that turns into God Jinray, who is basically Optimus Prime in this continuity. This one has has human characters who who wear the wear the mech suits and then they transform into the heads, or the or in the case of the Power Masters, the engines of the of the robots, and then they become the the larger robots themselves and overall it's a much better series than headmasters overall i think most people agree that it's like the best of uh the big three from that era yeah but uh, what i love is is this is the part of the optimus or or genre in this case slapping 
armor suit on top of armor suit on top of armor suit that will further plague all future Japanese Transformers series. Because there was, there what was it, uh, you know, head-on, then uh, combine, then the something else. where Power he combines Link. It. Yeah, Power Link, and then he says something like double time or something like that. And then I another, don't know. It's Ch- Chuck? Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what he was called, but I think, I'm, I'm thinking, and I do believe this was the first instance of the quote-unquote super, super Optimus Prime type of uh, deal. Super holy god Jinrei, because holy in Japanese doesn't mean holy here. Well, it it was like like he's still like there's Jinrei, and then when he merges with the cab, he becomes Super Jinrei, and then um actually no, it's Jinrei, and then when he merges with the cab, he's still Jinrei. Then when he merges with the trailer, he's Super Jinrei, and then when he merges with the Apex armor, it's God Jinrei. God something else. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's yeah. This, this like I said, this is the start of the armor piling on top of shit era of Transformers, where it's 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 it's, it's almost it's almost ultra super ultra with sprinkles on top Megazord bad. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this was the start where they were trying to bring Transformers more into line with Japanese tastes. And the the one thing is they love their robots, but they love their robots more to combine and to keep combining. So it was that, that Sentai feel that they were doing. So it's Power Rangers' fault? Um, uh, well, basically. I love being Power Rangers for this kind of shit, Neil. Okay. But uh, what was what was after what was after uh, Master Force in the timeline? Well, did Pre-Nice. we want to just kind of gloss over Master Force that fast? I mean, there was. Well, well, what what do you what do we have about Master Force? Because all I really had was the yeah, Gajin Rai armor pl- piling on top of armor bullshit that was hard to watch. Um, I remember there were a few recolors in this in this uh, season. Uh, m- most notably. Uh, both Fortress Maximus and and Scorponok reappear, but they're not the same characters. Obviously, they're they're repaints, and uh, I think one is. Uh, I always get it confused with the one from Robots in Disguise. I think it's Grand Maximus, and uh, and the Scorponok is called Black Zarak. And uh, as I re- uh, as I recall, they were also scaled more appropriately with the toys. So, uh, so. Uh, Fortress Max or Grand Maximus is only like maybe two or three times taller than than uh, Power Master Optimus Prime in the show, whereas whereas in in uh, normal Transformers, Fortress Maximus would just be gigantic and he'd be and his toe would be the size of Optimus Prime, and that was also the case where uh, God Jinrei, uh, I think I I haven't watched this whole show, but I think there's an episode where he fights. Uh, What's the combiner that the the combiner they had on that show? I keep wanting to say uh, the Piranacon, but I don't think that's his name in the show. I think it's like King Poseidon. God Neptune. Yeah, whatever whatever he was called. <laughs> God damn these Japanese names. <laughs> yeah, well they're not bad. It's just like we're so unfamiliar with it because I'm so used to the uh, to the G1 names. God Neptune. <laughs> we, American writers would never call a character God Neptune. Well. You know, again, it, it's it's the Japanese styling and what have you. And, yeah, as you mentioned, Ben, that, you know, God, holy, you know, that has a different meaning in J- Japanese. I'm, You know what it is? 
God Neptune, God Jinrai are the literal translations because anime purists want literal translations. But I really think if you're going to translate it, the better translation would be to call him Super Jinrai or Final Jinrai or, you know, Super Neptune or Final Neptune. Well, yeah. I'm glad they didn't try to, like, uh, actually do a translation. Uh, I'm glad they didn't Donkey Kong. Optimus Prime's name, where they called him Happy One. Yeah, well, <laughs> which um, could have happened because it could have happened. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of that kind of cross references one of our other shows where we where we talked about localization versus translation, and I, I really wish I I could stress this more to anime purists. It's like uh, very very literal translations of. Uh, should not happen or it should very rarely happen. You should go for more what the context is as opposed to what the literal translation is because yeah, God, God genre doesn't sound good. Super genre is more like an American taste. It's more analogous to what they were doing over there or super prime. Yeah. <laughs> genre still sounds weird. It does, but it, it sounds, it at least sounds a little better. <laughs> <laughs> it does, but Super Prime, does, not even with Nopter, Super Prime sounds better than God Jinrai or Final Jinrai or, or you know what, it, you know what, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just sum up Neil's original argument about localization versus translation with, with a, a, a single name, Larry Vincent. Larry Vincent. Rally. Oh, oh, God, I even made that point on the show and I for, forgot my own point. Yes. 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 Larry Vincent. Yes, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Master Force is just weird to watch for 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 someone who knows only the uh, American ser- series. It is weird to watch because so, it, it, there's there's a lot of what the hell's going on here. It's basically my advice to people who are fans of the '80s Transformer series: don't watch Master Force if you can help it. Um, it's okay. Uh, well, the point I was getting at before uh, was that uh. uh Neptune and uh, and Super Prime, Super Jinray, whatever, um, they're basically the same size in the show, as, as far as I can recall. They it wasn't like like Neptune was the size of Devastator. So yeah, it was the scale problems that always plagued G1. They were much more toned down in uh, in Master Force. Okay. Yeah. So uh, any other notes on Master Force before we move on to the next one? Um, well, I. Th- well, I just wanted to add that, you know, as I said earlier, that this really was the co- continuation of the, uh, you know, humanization of Transformers because you, you basically had like a lot of the stories were the pretenders in their human forms where you basically had, you know, the human robot, you know, the robots disguised as humans, human size and, you know, interacting with one another and, you know, doing their thing. Okay. And uh, so what's the next Japanese series on the list, guys? I believe it's Victory. Uh, Victory. Victory is actually one of my favorite series. I, I, I love the toys from them. Uh, what's the rundown of Victory for those of us who have not seen Victory? Okay. Me. Um, basically, you know, much like with um, Headmasters and Master Force, they continue the concept of non-matrix-bearing leaders showing up. In this case, you have Star Saber and his uh, lieutenants, 
who were the power who are called the god masters i'm sorry no 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 brain masters um and um they come to earth because um there's another decepticon invasion this time by death sars or death sars that's a you know translation may vary and it goes from there the big thing to notice is this series happened right when gundam was having its second wind and becoming hugely popular in uh, japan so if you notice uh, star saber um Desar is a lot of the other robots have a very gundam look to them and that's them trying to draw in those viewers so uh so Neil, uh, you said the toys weren't too bad, right? Or was that Chuck? I believe that was Chuck. I I don't remember what what if any toys we got from this. Um, well, no, in, in America we did not get any toys from Victory. Yeah. This is when, um, really roughly around the time Generation Two was starting, um, in America with the so, Cyber Cube. Actually, yeah, we, no, we I think I think this is actually around the time that we started getting the the MicroMasters. Oh, actually, no, MicroMasters was the next series. Okay. So, well, actually, no. I think you're right, Neil. I think we a little bit of MicroMasters now, but fully into the next series. Okay. Um. So. Because next, Generation 2 wasn't until, like, 1992 or something. So next is Zone, which was just a single episode OVA, so yeah. I don't really know much about it other than the cover shows a picture of a Transformer that looks more like a looks more like a go lion than a transformer yeah basically i you know it was um the one episode that aired was just basically star saber um passing off command of the autobots to die atlas and zone was really the giant robots with the micromasters behind the scenes what was going on you had the problems in japan you know, Transformers really weren't selling well, but the Destrons were selling even less. So instead, you didn't have all the new toys for this line were either Autobots or Micromasters. And the Micromasters really were the main focus. The giant robots were really designed as playsets for the Micromasters. It was like a just a whole big uh, shadoo. Mm. Yeah, and as I recall, even the MicroMasters were all Autobots. Like, all those toys that we got in the 89 toy line, th- even the ones that were sold here as Decepticons were actually Autobots in, in Japan. And that's... I always thought it was weird that the that the Japanese sets, or the, I'm sorry, the, the Autobot sets and the Decepticon sets all snapped together. I'm like, well, why would they want to do that? And as it turns out, you know, in Japan, they were all on the same side, so... You could just make one big city with all the sets, and that I actually kind of like those toys. I had a few of them, and I did that. Yeah, I, I basically lost my mind <laughs> with those MicroMaster sets. I'm like, I can have my own Autobot city, and I will rule it. But yeah, they're it was, plastic it was, and not real. It was actually much, much cooler than uh, than Metroplex, even. Mm. Yeah, you know, Neil, I have to agree because. Um, you know, with Metroplex, he was supposed to sort of interact with the combine with the um, leaders of the combiner teams. Same thing with Trypticon. He, I mean, he did and he didn't. 
I mean, you know, yes, their base modes all combined, but it really didn't combine. Here, you actually had the bases combined. They all pegged one into another. And not Ooh. only that, but Metroplex was... Just because of the scale problems of the toys, you could never have, like, an actual city toy that worked with these full-size Transformers. It was basically like a garage with, like, a yeah. couple buildings kind of slapped onto them. Yeah, hmm. I mean, you know, he was, you know, and, you know, also with even uh, Fortress Maximus. I mean, it was like, you know, it's like sort of Autobot City, but, you know, Optimus Prime isn't going to go in there. He's just like the big, you know, giant robot they call in for backup to, you know, make the Decepticons, Destrons, what have you, uh, pass their gimbals or whatever. Hmm. So next on the list is Robot Masters, which I, again, have not seen, but basically it has uh, Re Rebirth Megatron, Reverse Convoy, and this basically is also a sequel to the Beast Wars 2 stuff, which we're going to cover in another show. Uh, so, ben, you yeah. actually skipped the series. Oh, which series did I skip? Operation Combination. Oh, that's not on the list here. Who well, made this I, list? I I love that name. <laughs> okay, first of all, I think Operation Combination, much like Zone, was predominantly told through mag, ma, uh, manga. I'm not yeah. sure if there was like an an, uh, an animated series. I don't remember. Oh, but that's like, why. Yeah. Oh, well, no. Well, basically, what it was. Remember how I said that Takara stopped making Decepticon toys. This is it. Like this entire toy line was strictly Autobots. The villains were the the original combiners, and I think Trypticon. Basically, their individual personalities were wiped clean. They were just the main combined robot, and they were given like superpowers. They were called the Dark Lords, and the Autobot Micromasters, who were all combiners now. And I do that in air quotes because uh, the way they combined was quite interesting. Um, had to fight them. Okay. I, I remember. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, I, I want to say that I think maybe Diatlas and those guys carried over too. But um, it was – yeah, I um, some of those toys actually were released in America in the early 2000s as KB exclusives. Hmm. Um, I want to say that they did some sort of animation with this because I do remember – some cartoon where this was a theme where it had all the combiner all the classic combiners kind of uh redesigned there was there was a scene i can kind of remember where uh uh what's his name predaking uh got basically got his face sliced in half or something like that i i that's the only thing i can re remember from it vividly so, mm. yeah this is i i saw this like a long time ago and i just never thought about it until now Hmm, okay, I've never, I've never seen any of this. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to find the video of this. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to MWire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. 
Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe news, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right, and we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding, kinda. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right, and we... Okay, seriously, this is just getting ridiculous now. It's What's on Joe Mind, every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. I suppose I still can't say something about Transformers, can I? Good No. What about sports? That sounds good. Yeah, that's all right. Grab your helmets because it's time to assemble Mask. The GeekCast Radio Network has launched Mask to Mayhem with your hosts Optimus Solo and TFG and Mike. This podcast covering all 75 episodes of Mask will feature in-depth analysis of every episode, talk on the toys, and more. Mask Mayhem will run 30 podcast episodes. You can find us at iTunes and on www.geekcastradio.com. Get your spectrums ready as podcasting is the ultimate weapon. <laughs> Like I said, that this was they were really pulling at straws to um, you know do something with um, Transformers. I mean, right after this was the Battle Stars line, and that was strictly uh, manga. Mm. And uh, you know, and that and again, I think that also tied it. You know, that was the MicroMasters. You know, you had the return of Optimus Prime, but it really wasn't Optimus Prime. He had a completely new look. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but yeah, it's like I said, there there was the there was the Beast Wars merge with Robot Masters, where basically they merged the continuities further yeah. than they did in Beast Wars Neo and Beast Wars Two. Yeah, I actually have some of those uh, DVDs, or I don't know if they were DVDs or CD ROMs, but I because I because Robo Masters were the first Japanese line I got when I got back into Transformers. Yeah, I really want to keep it sequestered for a future show because I want to keep all Beast Wars like in its own little corner for a future show. Alright. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, please. Beast Wars is like a whole other thing. Is is a whole other can of uh get these goddamn zoo animals on my robot show. <laughs> well you you know what it is? It's like I always make the argument and you know and I tell people and they get all huffy and upset. Um, Beast Wars was never really intended to be a transform. Well, it was Transformers in the fact that you had something turning into something else, but it wasn't supposed to be connected to the original Transformers. That was done, you know, going into season two. That was done after the guys who wrote the series started looking back at the history of Transformers. Japan, Japan again, you know, Japan had its whole separate thing, but. You know, I mean, do, do you want to talk about Robot Masters a little, or just a little bit, basically? But from what I see, you know, you have uh, you have Megatron pretending he's off, he's another, he's Reverse Prime, which is one of those disguise uh, robots where basically his head flips, it's an Optimus. Oh, head. it's a cool toy. His head flips, it's a Megatron head. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it's a um, remold of in uh, G two. They did a small scale Megatron tank. And That's it was right, in the, the comics. It, yeah, it's yeah. called Hero Megatron. Well, this is a remold of that figure where, um, you know, it has the Megatron head, but they added a second piece, well, two 
extra pieces on one for the uh, Optimus Prime head and then one for like a little extra handgun he has. But it's a fun toy. It's it's very you know this was the interesting interesting thing about Robot Masters, is that much like Car Robots, it was a repaint line, but it was a repaint line where things were connected. There was a point they were pulling, and it wasn't just you know throwing stuff out. The way they connected all of it and how. Un- the powers of Unicron were somehow converging and causing a rift that all these timelines were merging and what have you. You know, it, it had potential to be good. It did. It did. But, uh, but yeah, let's move on to what I call the Japanese. See, let me just preface this with a statement. There's lots of people who say, oh, only the Japanese can do Transformers right. And let me just. I'm prefacing the next series specifically because of the statement, because there is a series which is basically the Japanese doing G1 again, and that's Robots in Disguise. A bit, but I I don't remember liking this show, but it, I think that had a lot to do with who was uh, localizing it. I know, but and I agree, I agree. Ex- but I have to say one thing. What? The guy that got to do Optimus's voice was passably good as Optimus. It wasn't Cullen, but he was in the right range. He didn't sound chalky. It wasn't. It wasn't Gary Chalk. No, it wasn't. Oh wow. It was a guy who whose voice was much gruffer. It, he, he was da- David K. It was not David K. No, not David K. I'm sorry, but it was something K. Michael K. Um, it, it's something like that. Um, ba- basically, he was in the right range. He if he was like coached a little bit more, he could have been a very good Cullen replacement, but. Like find your inner Duke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he 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 never found it. But he was pretty good. He was much better than Chalk was. He 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 did actually an interview. If you have the old Rhino DVD sets, he did an interview on it, and he said that he was basing his Optimus Prime on Peter Cullen, and that you know, but this would be like you know maybe like a younger Optimus Prime. Right, and. uh, there's lots of things that are wrong with robots in the skies. Number one, Megatron's got hand, baby. Oh, yeah, that is the one of the weirdest um, transformations I think I've ever seen. And another thing is, you know how in G1 when Optimus transforms, the, the trailer just goes away. <laughs> yes. In this one, Optimus is a fire truck, so this is the first this is the first hint you know to run away because if Optimus is a fire truck, run away. So, Optimus is a fire truck, and when he transforms, his rear section like turns into the command center every time, and they have to animate it. Yeah, as as much as that kind of uh, stretches believability, uh, the trailer had to go away just because um, you you can't have that thing just hanging around every time he's in robot mode. But no, the, you can't. But and, on the other hand, for for G one, they could have just had him be the be the the front part of the truck, but you know. That, of course, wouldn't have looked as cool, but, you know. Well, they could have just put some flames on it. No. Name along those Peterbilt. No. No. <laughs> that'll just no. be the along. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and have a lot of lots of shaky cam and stuff exploding everywhere. It, 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 it's a thousand times cooler than Armageddon, I swear. And, and, but, army, <laughs> men, and army men everywhere doing all the job, all doing doing everything for the, for the Autobots. 
It's uh, Chuck is disturbingly silent during this. Well, I got to tell you, um, R.I.D. was on the air when I was out of Transformers, so I've only seen bits and pieces of it. But uh-huh. um, the one thing I remember the most from it is number one, there were you do know there were a lot of G1 voice actors involved in the series. Well, I imagine, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh... I mean, they were doing they were doing different characters and different voices, but they were there. Um, but you know, I and I again, I have to check, but I do believe this was the first time you had um, confirmation in, a, in an animated series that Ultra Magnus and Optimus Prime were brothers. And they do the fusion dance. The fusion dance. Boom, 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 ba, boom. Sorry. <laughs> but they, but they do. It's, it's they turn into Ultra Prime, and this is part of the whole. Armor on top of armor on top of armor because the trailer turns into armor. And then, and that's when Optimus gets like this weird squid face. Yeah, it's actually not that bad. What cracks me up is that like if you try to find like the Japanese gift set for the, for this, uh, for, for Omega Prime, it costs an arm and a leg now. It's but uh, the the series also has lots of other problems that become staples in future Japanese Transformers. You have lots of Japanese kids. Well, haven't haven't they always kind of had kids in it? Spike at least as, was at least as far as at back, least sixteen. At least as far as back as uh, as Master Force. I mean, all those headmasters were kids. Right. Well, but, I, I think the difference was is back during G one. And at least American G1. It was like, you know, Spike and Carly had to go, you know, get something from the Decepticon baits while the Autobots were, you know, making a distraction. Back then, you followed the Autobots who were making the distraction. You had two seconds of Spike and Carly in the Autobot base. In these newer series, it's the focus is on the kids in the, you know, it's. 30 seconds of spiking Carly and two seconds of the robots. And that's, I think where the problem is coming in. And then there's the movie where you have, where you have Mrs. Wickwicky walk in and talk about Sam masturbating. No. <laughs> well, I mean, the movies are a whole separate thing. They have no connection to any I, I, I just Transformer throw... series, past, present, or future. I just yeah. had to throw that in. But it is, uh, but yeah, Robots in the Sky is also introduced to, uh, I wouldn't say introduced per se, but it had the weirdest version of the, what do they call it, the Sky Bridge? The Space Bridge? Space Bridge, yeah. Basically, the Space Bridge isn't like this cool techno energy bridge. No, it, it's basically it's basically Inspector Gadget tunnels all over the planet that open and close that in the Autobots drive into the Earth's core to get all over the Earth. I'm not making this up. If it sounds stupid, it's because it does sound stupid. But yeah, it's and um, there's like there's like a whole bunch of Autobots whose only job is to build the space bridge, which means they just tunnel all the time, and yeah. and basically they kept kidnapped this Japanese guy's father because the father was going to introduce clean energy to the Earth or something, and the, the Decepticons wanted because they want energon, and you know how it goes, and. And Optimus Prime calls the kid, saying, "Your father's about to be kidnapped. Come, come with me if you want to live." Or, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm trying to make the series more entertaining than it was. Well, you know what the problem was is that I, what I've heard about car robots in Japan, you figured Takara was coming out of the Brave series, which was very successful for them, 
and they've they realized that by this point you know transformers has to be sentient robots it's it, it wouldn't work any other way so they went in the opposite direction by saying let's try to make this a really funny kid show and and you know to do that you have to be a little silly there has to be a little action and i think that's what what they were trying to do with car robots where they were trying to remake g1 and well yeah because this really was japan's shot at showing what their version of g1 would have been and i i, I say to that bring back bring back the sunbow riders over this <laughs> but uh but uh robots in disguise is yeah I, there was uh, they introduced nemesis prime who they called scourge in the english dub who basically yeah. was made when they scanned optimus prime at a, a fuel tanker truck and a human which is important because scourge is actually part human which means he passed some sort of scanner test to get like a, a MacGuffin. That's right. Scourge is part human. Wow. And Scourge's model is actually G1 Optimus repainted. Uh, and um, no, actually, Scourge, the model is the G2 Laser Rod Optimus Prime repainted. That's oh, right. I stand corrected. Well, I hope you're sitting down. I mean, this is a long <laughs> morning. Well, I sit corrected then. Yeah. But, well, yeah, well, actually, yeah, it was a great toy. Yeah. And actually, on that point. What I remember most about this show is that uh, there were this show was like a hodgepodge of uh, of recolors and remolds from from earlier from earlier lines. I mean the uh, let's see the the Combaticons were in this show, but I think they went under a different name. And even Bruticus was renamed. He was like Ruination. Bruticus. He was called Ruination in the in the show. Ah. And um, let's see who else was in. Oh oh they they re- that's right they remolded. Uh, Fortress Maximus, and I don't remember what he was called in this uh, series. Uh, Brave Maximus. Brave Maximus, and that toy never came out here, but he, but they kept him in the show. Well, obviously they would have had to, but because they brought it over. Yeah. They like, they can't say, hey, you know that show you made six months ago? Can you change it? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think this leads us to the next, the Unicron trilogy. Oh boy. Well, it doesn't start out too badly and i i kind of liked some aspects of this show uh it had that chalky aftertaste yeah let's just get this out of the way i'm i'm a peter cullen fan not a gary chalk fan but i don't think gary chalk is terrible i just don't like it i thought it you know um this was really the the transformers series that was on when i was getting back in and you know and i and i'll freely admit i did not like energon as much as i liked armada and cybertron but you know i I thought you know it was a good series and you know i think people who complain about the dub and all this really just you know need to chill i don't complain about the dub i clean it i complain about the six japanese kids well you know again you know i mean apparent there's a theory in animation that children can't relate to giant robots they can relate to children and that's why the children are in the show so there's you know that's called the flim flam theory i know i mean you know when i was little i related to the autobots i used to pretend i was a transformer myself but you know that's like saying there's kids that don't want to be han solo they want to be they want to be a little kid that shouts yippee you know i think i think it just works differently in america because 
back in G1, you know, we all wanted to be Spike because, you know, Spike was skewed older and, you know, he was like the cool older kid. Whereas uh, Daniel came along and we were like, ugh, who is this brat? You know, and then uh, this show comes along and what are these these characters like 15, 16? And, um, you know, I, I admit I was watching it as an adult. I couldn't really relate to these characters anymore. So. You know, I, I could I could see where a, a younger viewer could, could uh, <laughs> I, I was going to say tolerate these characters. Um, well, making I making a blank making a blanket for Starscream, uh, notwithstanding. Yeah, so Armada wasn't when they started uh, got to catch them all mini cons, was it? Yes. Oh yeah, god. Oh god. Yeah. No. I think that was the thing. That was the deal breaker. See, my problem was is that you basically had like this bossy female character going off on the male characters, and I'm just like, you know, that would never happen in the real world. I had, you know, if I had someone my age barking at me like that, I'd tell her to turn around and tell her to go f herself. Get on your prissy motor scooter that transforms into a robot and get out of here. And, and, and go and, and go drive off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's. Uh, I think we're we are. Glossing over a fact that, yes, Starstream does join the Autobots. Yes, he gets a blanket. And, yes, it, it is exactly what it sounds like. Well, I, I blame Beast Wars for that. But I understand we can't get into it now. Yeah, it's... Uh, but, uh, this, basically, the Unicron saga, the Unicron tr- trilogy, is three series that overlap in continuity about, about Unicron... About to be revived, and they're looking for the Energon keys, and for for Prime for Primus and the Energon keys for Unicron because Primus is actually Cybertron sleeping, and Unicron is somewhere else, and whoever collects the keys first is going to revive their god first for a ultimate, you know, showdown. Yeah, ultimate destiny. Well, it, what was funny was in, in Armada they destroy Unicron. But in Energon, it's like, oh, he's not destroyed. He's like, you know, he he's technically dead, but he can be revived. He's mostly so dead, it, which is a little bit alive. It, it, it's like basically the the spirit is gone, but the shell is there. So, you know, now Optimus Prime has to kill, destroy the shell. Um, it's baby. You remember um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, where they have to like destroy Freddy Krueger's bones. I remember the video game that has the same plot. Yeah, that that's basically it. And then Cybertron is the whole um, – God, and you know, I, they weren't the first ones to create it, but it's, but it's this – you know, the paradox of there cannot be good without evil. There cannot be evil without good. So basically it, what happened is they got rid of all the evil, and then they created a giant black hole. And uh, if I remember correctly, there's actually a rule in Transformers continuity that the Unicron trilogy created saying that there is only one Unicron in all continuities. Um, well, there is an interesting point uh, – not point, but scene in one of the later episodes where as a little nudge to the older fans, you see when they talk about the older Cybertronians talking about Unicron and you see – Ultra Magnus, Rodimus Prime, and Optimus Prime. That's you right. know, the, the G1 characters standing around. Yeah, there were a lot of like little flashback cameos like that, as I remember. You guys do under, do do know that in Japan, Cybertron, which was called Galaxy Force, was not 
part of the the previous two series. Yeah, I was going to so, make that so point. they robotech it. Yeah, I mean that's I mean because because if you remember in Cybertron, it was like they were visiting Earth the first time. Meanwhile, in the other two series, they were already known to humans. So it was that whole rigmarole there. Yeah. Right. I do have to say the animation and the specifically the CGI animation in both Energon and Cybertron were just magnitudes worse than than even Beast Wars. I mean, Beast Wars, I was never thrilled with that. I I was never a fan of like that early CGI style, but I do have to admit it was a lot better than what we got in uh, Energon. And another thing I had to note about the uh, about this is there was a scene where where basically they were doing a mission on on the sleeping body of Unicron and like a scout team was lost and and this was when the uh, Galvatron and Doctor's Prime were actually teaming up and a bunch of Japanese kids berated Galvatron to the point of saying okay we will rescue the scout team and I was like bullshit oh in which series was this God, I don't remember. They all started to blur together. If it's a, you know, I think it was Armada because if they were doing a mission on Unicron and the That's Autobots right. and Decepticons were working together, it That's had to be Armada. It, it, right. It's this is also the scene that when Unicron transforms, you can tell that they looked at the '80s movie. Yeah. And I think they did some little bit of uh, tracing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I, I think really, I mean, I think you just said it. I mean, let's break it down. Why do people remember the Unicron trilogy? It was the first toy. It was the first series that gave us an actual Unicron toy. But uh, but uh, Orson Welles swore that it was a toy before he died. Orson Welles didn't didn't even know what he had recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, that quote where he told his publicist what he was doing that day. He couldn't remember what cartoon it was. He couldn't remember what the name of the character was. He didn't know. I played a toy that did terrible things to other toys. Yeah, like Ben Hex well, said, it was it was wine money. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's true. I mean, there is out there a G1 Unicron. It just was never released. There's and it like, looks like shit. Yeah. Was... Well, no, I mean, compared to now, it looks bad. But, I mean... At the time, it looked good, and at the time, you know, for, it was sold like hotcakes. Oh, I mean, if you you kidding me? I mean, if that came out when I was you know little and you know seven years old, and I would have sold my ass on a street corner for the money. I wouldn't understand what I was doing, but all I would understand is Unicron. You have gone down to the bike shop and wait. To be honest, uh, a lot of those G1 toys were kind of bad. I mean, did you ever did you ever take a good look at the Springer toy? No, but uh, I base my my feelings on G1 toys on basically four of the toys I got to see up close. Original Megatron, Original Optimus are two of them. Yeah, but those are the old... uh, Those are the gold standard? Those are the old Microman and... uh, uh, Diaclone. Diaclone, yeah. Those are the good ones. I mean, in 1986 or 87, where they started making their own toys, uh, that's when G1 started... uh, Take a real dip in quality. Really? I, diecast yeah, construction. I, it's a lost art. You, you think that Neil? Because I actually liked a lot of those uh, figures. I, I thought they I mean though, these were like really cool. I'm I'm talking about like uh, like mostly this you know like the peghead combiners that they had. Those oh are yeah. Kind of, well, as, as as even as time went along, they they started to get worse. Although the the Seacons weren't too bad. 
So what well the PK combiners, that was Scramble City. They were designed like that so they could all, you know, cross play and intercombine and all that stuff. Yeah, well so so overall, overall, what would you say was the biggest weakness in how the Japanese do Transformers or or do you think it goes back to your original point, Chuck, about how the science fact ruled over science fiction in Japan? Oh, that's a tough question. I, I, I honestly think the biggest flaw is that the overall concept of Transformers, sentient robots coming to Earth, assuming Earth mode or Earth modes to be in disguise, just would not work in Japan. I think the Japanese audiences just would not accept that. I mean, and that's a problem that's been going on today. Um, I'm not, you know, we were talking about Galaxy Force. Not too many people know this, but the final wave of Galaxy Force toys had to be released a year later. Arms, Micron, I've been, I mean, animated, which was a popular series here. I've heard isn't doing, did not do well, and I, I just think the overall concept just would not work for a Japanese audience. Okay, it's, I, I just, like I said, I, I, the, the first half of of the japanese foray and transformers were series where they were trying to do what you said chuck you know embrace the gundam concept of pilots humans yeah humans giving sentience to robot shells the second and, half and, the second half is when they realize okay we can't do that anymore transformers has a beachhead as w- with with the robots having sentience so we have to go right. in that direction and then that's where we get the robots in the skies i, I think honestly and this make might make Neil cringe, Neil. What? If you don't want to hear this, put your fingers in your ears now. Beast Wars is what helped that concept with the Japanese. I, I admit that Beast Wars did some good for the toy. For, well, yeah, obviously it brought it back both here in America. And, but but I'm well, saying is is what the, the Beast Wars to the Japanese audience helped strengthen the idea that robots can have a soul. I suppose. Well, well, you know why, Ben? The sparks? No, well, no, uh, because the Japanese love animal transforming robots. I mean, the first um, transforming robot in Japan, Raiden, was a robot that transformed into a butterfly. I was picturing something having to do with thunder or the sky with a name like Raiden. And it's um, you know, <laughs> oh, it's Japan. You got me. Or turn into a pretty boy that. Runs around half the game naked. Oh no, no, bad. Um, you know, you know what, you know what I thought was the biggest deal breaker as far as uh, Transformers Energon was, it was uh, Demolisher, because he, you got the idea that he was gonna be uh, kind of sympathetic toward the good guys, and then he just kind of turns about halfway through the series, and then there's there was like nothing that really capitalized on what they were doing with him earlier. So, and that's, that's kind of where I was just like, this show is garbage. I mean, they, they kind of tag you, they kind of like drag you along through this and then like nothing happens. That's, that was totally a tease. Yeah. I don't know if I should call it a tease, but it was kind of a, I just thought it was kind of wasted potential for the character. I was like, Oh, they're kind of doing something cool with this one Decepticon and then nothing and nothing happens. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's uh, overall, the, there are some ideas that could have been good. Like I like the idea of the always treacherous Starscream. I like the idea of him, you know, eventually throwing in with the Autobots. But no goddamn blanket. 
And Starscream kind of had like a really, really puny, pathetic death in that series. You know, I I thought a better character for that was Octane. I, I kind of liked the episode where Octane was uh was like a, a refugee from the uh from the Decepticon. Well, I like the idea of a Decepticon turning. I like that yeah. idea. Or uh, X, or, X, the ori- or the original idea for that, which was Blitzwing, which they never got the complete. Well, they did. They did do that with uh, with uh, Jetfire. Jetfire was originally a Decepticon. Yeah, but he he didn't understand what the Decepticons were. It was well, he you know, was him turning. Result. It was more like, oh, the Decepticons are evil. I'm an Autobot now. It was a very personal choice, Neil. Yeah, he was kind of a. <laughs> I can reference those movies. You don't get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're 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 referencing the Michael Bay stuff. Right <laughs> See, I saw that movie once, and I've I've tried to block it out of my mind. The first I... wheel. <laughs> Some it. of those lines were gold, though. Okay, I'm sorry, but they were. Um, overall. Overall, I I just really have to say that that I think that the American writers, at least the Sunbow writers, that synergy they had in that writing room, is what made Transformers work, at least for the American audience. Well, it's what makes it still work for me today, because you know the animation is. I was watching uh, the episode uh, Only Human the other day. Oh no! I'm like, wow, this is terrible. But That's there is there, there is kind of like a kind of like a tongue-in-cheek way that they write those episodes that I still find amusing to this day, but I the the animation is just, oh, oh my god, season three, season three, what happened? Early, I, I know what happened. Early Korean animation, Neil. Yeah. I mean, I think the early ACOM work that, this, that they did for The Simpsons was better than that. Yeah. Well, yeah, Chuck, do you have any feelings on who get, who gets Transformers better? Well, I have to say, uh, I honestly think that the Americans did Transformers better. I mean, they came up with the story. They came up with the concept. You know, in the early days, Japan, you know, Takara and, you know, Takara, Bandai and a bunch of other companies were like, here, take our toys. You know, and they created that. I mean, they created the story. Um, they created that universe. And then it was like Japan was just, OK, we just got to regurgitate this into for our market, you know. Yep. So uh, let's just wrap this up. Uh, uh, This year's Ben. With TV's Mr. Neil. And I'm Chuck from What's on Joe Mind. All right. And uh, be sure to listen to us next week when we talk about another Transforming Robot movie. And which one would that be? It's the one we're going to watch live with a certain friend, Neil. About some rocks. Oh, no. (laughs) No. Battle the Rock Lords. <laughs> Damn. Chuck, I, do you have any comments on that? I I liked Rock Lords. I thought they were great. Rope rocks that turn into robots. And then it was in Prime. All right, then we're saying goodnight. Toodles.
Tastes wonderful. Huh. What is it? Oh no! What am I gonna do? Hey, what's going on? Oh, Sparkle, you came at the right time. Look at that! The Decepticons are here. The Decepticons? Why would the Decepticons come here? We must contact Sydney immediately. Sydney! Sydney! Please respond! Sydney! Hey, you! Don't just stand there. Why don't you go help evacuate? All right. I'll go and help the ones that are trapped. All right, then. Let's all go. Transform! <laughs> By this time, the Autobots' headquarters at Sydney had already received the report. Optimus Prime immediately called a council of war. Hound, what do you make of this? Something must have happened on Cybertron. If we release the energy from the power packs now, something might happen to the Sigma computer. Oh, just what do you mean by that? This isn't a very good sign. The Decepticons may use this opportunity to take over the computer. But sir, this is only my prediction. So maybe what you predicted is what's going to happen. Lydia! Send more troops. The Decepticons are coming on strong. Relocate the troops from Earth. Sir. Sparkle, can you hear me? More troops are on the way now to Cybertron. Reinforcements from Earth are also on the way. All right. I think it's better for you and Carrie to stay with us for the time being. Okay, then. We're on our way. Rotomus Prime, I'm going to check out the situation at Cybertron. You keep an eye here. All right, sir. Marshal, I want you to be the commander of this mission. Sir. Meanwhile, on Cybertron, Galvatron is furious over the fact that his offensive is not effective. Don't waste any more time! Take them in there, quickly! <laughs> Galvatron must think that we're a bunch of useless morons! All right, let me use my magic spell then. This is so strange. How come a robot would feel sleepy? Mindwipe's secret weapon is to weave a magic spell. <laughs> so how's my magic spell doing? Skull Cruncher, you okay? Come on, you idiot! Look at what you've done, you hypnotized the poor guy! Get up, you idiot! You guys do know that, like, uh, basically, what we got as GoBots in Japan was called... Um, Machine uh, Robo? Machine Robo, and was, yes. like, light years better. Oh, yeah. And that in fact... 
Yeah, and like the Machine Robo cartoon actually did was the ratings winner versus uh, Fight Super Robot Life Transformers. Yeah, Tonka really dropped the ball. They, they, uh, on the other hand, they probably didn't really think about adapting the Japanese show because it was pretty unprecedented at that point. Well, I mean, you know what it was? They had the deal with Hanna Barbera. Um, and, and let's be honest, you know, Japanese cartoons, you know, anime, even the ones really for children, tend to be a little more violent and, um, you know, adult. So it w- wouldn't work for the American audience. Yeah, I mean, the uh, editing that Harmony Gold had to do for Robotech was pretty expen- extensive. So uh, I could see where it would be a problem with this one as well. Yeah, well, well y- y- you know what it is? It, it, this is what I tell people. They crack up. I mean, trans in the 1980s, Transformers ruled the world in every single country except for Japan, where they where the toys came from. It, they were like Hulk, they were the Hulk Hogan, you know. And the reason why is that the 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 concept just didn't gel. You had Machine Robo, and then I get well, actually, I think before Machine Robo, well, no, I, really concurrently, you also had Macross, and Macross was all over the place. Oh boy! So you're looking forward to the movie next week, Neil? Um, somewhat. I'm looking forward to the laughter. So let's see here, Neil. Uh, oh, did you know that Shia LaBeouf has his own comic book? You told me. I'm thinking if I could surprise Chuck with that. Uh, Who? Shia LaBeouf has his own comic book. Eh. Every celebrity <laughs> nowadays has a comic. Book. No one he draws and sells. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> astonishing. <laughs> To say the least. What, what is <laughs> it? Tales of Sh- Tales of Shia LaBeouf. It's called No 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 No. God, <laughs> it, it's the quality of the drawings um, is just not there. It's like it's like deviant art. Quality. Beginner deviant art. Be- beginner deviant art. It's like my first deviant art page. Except he gets money for it. <sighs> and he goes to Comic Con and he gets a table for it. He gets a cook, gets a table for it. Yes. Well, hey, you know. Maybe he can be put through a table. You know, it's like, you know, he, he's spreading out. He's, you know, doing his thing. He outright admitted that the only reason he's getting any fame for the comic is because he was in Transformers. Well, all right. Well, you know, you gotta, you know, take it the way you take it. Yeah, at least he isn't like uh, uh, Simmons' son who ripped off Bleach. Oh yeah, that was had to be mighty embarrassing for Gene Simmons. Douchey. Yeah. To say the least. Battle of the Rock Lords is on YouTube. I'm kind of watching it now. Oh no. Oh man. Oh man. This was released. Let theatrical. me tell you, I don't think we got all the Rock Lords we were supposed to, because there were some that were kind of cool, and um, you know, I know there were some vehicles and stuff that were supposed to come out. I mean, some of the GoBots, I, I'm speaking specifically about the toys here, were, were pretty cool. Yeah, I, I mean, but the thing is, like, we didn't get half of the Machine Robo stuff. I mean, if we got the guy who was the actual leader of the good guys in Machine Robo, Not he leader was one. one of those... What? Not Leader One? No, Leader One was the leader, was, wasn't even the leader. He was like the commander of the, uh, the Power Suit Combiner team. Ah. Uh. But um, he he was like his, his name was like Bifang Bifangu or something like that. This rolls Gu. off the tongue. 
Um, and the, and he ba- basically, you know, those um Russian eggs that you know, there's one Fabric side the other. Eggs. Yeah, the fabric. It, it was yeah, that was basically the concept of the toy. You had an action figure, and when the guy got in trouble, he could call upon a giant robot suit that he could you know merge into, and then you know he fought the bad guys and. If he if if he really was in trouble, he can call upon an even bigger giant robot suit that he could merge into and, you know, go like that. So it's like the Gigantor formula, except instead of just calling the robot, the robot, you actually go into the robot. Right. The Gigantor. And there was also another series that there was a Tatsunoko series about a robot that like transforms from a golden lighter. Uh, light gun. I think so. He was he was in Capcom vs. Tatsunoku. Well, yeah, well I know him because it's like he's got like a Super Robot Chikokin version. Yes, yes. Great light gun or something. Yes. And you know, and and the guy I was just talking about, he has a Super Robot Chikokin, which is like awesome. And so, but I had no idea who he was. And what sucked is right before Japan got hit by the bad economy. They were starting to do Super Robot Chagokin versions of the old, older Super Sentai robots. Well, you know the Japanese robots make everything better. Well, yeah, well, um, yeah, you know, but I mean, it's like they they started with Battle Fever J, and they didn't get a chance to go into like the combining ones. So I'm just wondering, like, when they go back, if they go back to Super Chigo- Super Robot Chigo- um, Soul Chagokin. You know, well, they just say, you know what, screw it. We're going to do the one everybody wants and, like, come out with um, the original Megazord. Hmm. The Dino Megazord, who's like, oh, yeah, this is the, uh, you know, our version. This is, like, the masterpiece version. You know, elbow joints, the whole shebang. You know, this is, you know, prepare to, um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, they just put out, like, the um, Super Robot Chagokin, which is, like, the action figure version which I heard is going to come out because of the 25th anniversary of Power Rangers. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's, a cool, it's a cool figure, and i got to tell you, if I see it on the shelves for a reasonable price, I might pick it up. Oh, Neil. What? You, you know what Bill Murray said today when he picked up the newspaper? What? What about the Twinkie? Uh, uh. Dude, nope, there's bodegas in my neighborhood. They're selling boxes of Twinkies for six dollars. You know, you can make them yourself. They're not that hard to make. If you if you make a sponge cake and banana cream, it's done. Oh, Mr. Big Shot, master of the kitchen. Oh, well, excuse me. Some of us aren't capable. <laughs> the Twinkies will be back. Yeah, the White House is gonna bail them out, Neil. No, but I mean someone someone's gonna buy the. the... Oh, There's wait, already a petition for the White House to bail out Twinkies. Wait, you didn't hear about this? Obama said it today. He was like, <clears throat> "Oh, I love the Twinkie. Oh, they need our help. Oh, they're <laughs> an institution of America." That's that's one of the best Obama impersonations I've ever heard. I, you know, it's funny. I actually do some presidents pretty good. You want to hear uh, my Clinton? I don't want to hear about you doing Clinton. I think Clinton's done enough. <laughs> oh, oh, very good, Ben. Take a bow. Take a bow. I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not anymore. No, 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 no. That was very good. Very quick. 
Okay, it's just Neil never laughs at my jokes, so it's it's kind of hard to take someone appreciating my humor. Neil, you need to pre- appreciate Ben's humor more. I I, I nod and smile. <laughs> well, that's sometimes that's not good enough. You need to laugh. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I think Neil secretly laughs but doesn't tell me. What, what was the last you? What was the last joke I did that you that that you enjoyed, Neil? I don't know. When, when was the last time you told one of my jokes? Actually, you did laugh at the at the uh, Piccolo joke. Uh, that's true. The DVD Pod Blast Piccolo joke. You did laugh yes. at that. Yes, that was. And you didn't see where I was going with it, too. No. Oh, I love it. Those are the best ones where you don't see where I'm going. And then you, because I say it, you're like, OK. And then I explain it and you're like, oh, that ha ha ha. Yeah, just like that, too. But uh, I'm trying to think of another joke. I told you another one recently. You just didn't respond. But anyway, where where I was going with this is that I'm I'm sure like months down the line we'll be we'll start seeing like Keebler Twinkies or maybe even Nabisco Twinkies. Someone's going to pick that up. Honestly, I was always a bigger fan of Little Debbie over Hostess. Maybe it'll be Little Debbie. Like Little Debbie, the uh, the Swiss cake rolls kicked the ho ho's ass. Drake's. Anybody here a fan of Drake's? Drake's coffee cake? Well, yeah, well, yeah, sure, but I like their funny bones, devil dogs. I only knew about Drake's coffee cake from an episode of Seinfeld. Mm. Did I ever tell you I knew a girl who could suck the cream filling out of a Twinkie without biting into it? What's your number? <laughs> <laughs> very quick, Neil, very quick. <laughs> <laughs> so now yeah. so now zombie so in, this means in five years zombie land won't make sense oh people will people will always know what a twinkie is i'm, I'm sure because we have the internet oh neil you know what's funny um you remember one of the early trios of horrors when they were showing all the gravestones and they actually put like names yeah. of cartoons like they, they had fish, and fish police yeah, fish police and and capital critters yeah. that's that 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 the credits roll was made six months prior, back when those shows' fates were uncertain. And that's what makes it even funnier. The fact that Groening called it. Yeah. Actually, what's really funny is I think I told you this before, but that dinosaurs joke in the early season. Yeah. Yeah. The the on the commentary, the producer said this joke doesn't make sense anymore. No one remembers dinosaurs. <laughs> Some people do, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that was the first. That was the first time Kevin Clash had uh, his hand inside an adolescent. Oh wait. Oh, you know what? That, that guy came forward and said that he lied. Well, now I can't use these jokes anymore. Damn it! So Kevin... yeah, but wait. A Let me. You talk about Elmo, right? Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you something. Is this the guy who originated the role of Elmo? No. Okay. No, actually, Elmo was. Uh, the, the the red monster existed before, but it was always Richard Hunt. But Richard Hunt hated the puppet. So he threw it across the room into Kevin Clash, Kevin Clash's uh, lap and say, here, you do something with this fucker. I don't know what to do with it. All right, because I remember hearing an interview well, with the original actor of Elmo. And he was talking about how his daughter always liked – what would like ask to talk to Elmo – when she would want things. 
And, you know, he talked about being married with a child and all that stuff. And this guy was like, never been married, you know. Then, then it's not Richard Hunt because Richard Hunt was gay. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think there was another guy before Richard Hunt. They, but they Richard kinda, Hunt was the one who famously threw it across the room in disgust. Yeah, they kind of passed Elmo around a couple times. Elmo got passed around the room just like what happened yeah. when getting away. Yeah. I well, saw where that was going as soon as I said you, it. You guys did hear, though, there's going to be a new Elmo figure this holiday season. Is it the one that tickles you? Well, it's it's called the uh, it's the slap and tickle me Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with patent leather assless chaps. Oh man. Oh boy, I, I just. Oh. Did I ever share with you guys my theory on how Beast Wars has ruined the Transformer franchise Beast. and nobody realizes yet? Charles, uh, Chuck. We we want you on the Beast Wars episode now. <laughs> oh, okay. But, uh, you know, basically my theory on Beast Wars is this. Transformers were, were not popular. Beast Wars was popular. This is proven by the fact that once Beast Wars was done, toy sales and viewership died off. The movie, you know, it's like, you know, everyone was like, well, how where did, where did these designs come from? You have um, chicken-legged robots, no real hands. And very, you know, you know, heads that look like vaginas. Well, let's see here. Chicken like robots. That was in Beast Wars. After the first season, you had a lot of robots that like had awkward legs. No real hands. Look at any of the robots that transformed from spiders or snakes or other insectoids. The Fagul heads. Just look at the heads in the robots. These are gotten basically the trend. The movie designs were based upon the um, designs that it was kids who guys who grew up watching Beast Wars designing robots. And here's the thing. Everyone says, well, the Transformers line is popular now. No, the movies are popular. Look at the Hasbro um, stock reports every quarter when there isn't a movie. Boys toys underperform. Well, what are boys toys now? Because uh... Technically, with the Brony movement. Well, it, well, actually, Ben, you know, it's funny you mention that because I was, always, I was going to say, you know, for me, boys' toys are Barbie dolls. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> they were in the anatomical study. You, you remember when? Um, oh, actually, came out? I saw a political Barbie at the Kroger today, and you know what the big feature is? What? She stands on her own. Uh, That's uh, what said on the box. She stands on her own. Well, well, actually, do you guys remember episode one, Star Wars episode one? I try not to. Remember yes. they had a, a, a life-size scale doll of Padme? Yeah, Princess Amidala. Where yeah, Prince, Prince Amidala Ding Dong. She, 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 goes, she goes from Padme to Princess Amidala and back again. That was the big feature. She, yeah, well, she was an Amidala Transformer. Do you do you know why that like figure like was like not in stores very long? Why? Because um you had guys managers of Toys R Us in Walmart calling up and complaining saying I am getting sick and tired of seeing grown men buying this doll for themselves. Oh my god! Wow. Oh, do you know who you know who played the stand-in for Padme Amidala? Uh, Kira Knightley. Knightley. That's right. I know it's right. Because they, at the time, they looked virtually identical. They still share a similar facial structure. Yeah, but you know what the problem is? It's like, 
when she was doing that, hadn't Kira Knightley already popped out a kid? Not yet. Well, because I mean, Kira Knightley is like um, Kate Winslet. It's like every time you turn around, she's just popped out a kid. You don't know she's pregnant. You don't know she was married. It's just like, oop, there's a kid. Maybe she's Catholic. I doubt it. <laughs> that that was a really old joke. You know, I I know. Uh, my grandmother and I used to share that joke. At least eight kids. You know, you know, you see you see a minivan. It's a Catholic. Eight, eight kids in there. Yeah. Let's make this more offensive, Neil. <laughs> if you're in Utah and you see a minivan, it's a it's a Mormon. Eight wives. <laughs> Am I having too much fun with this? You're you're just going to town. I know, but Neil's not laughing. I'm smiling and nodding. <laughs> oh, uh, Chuck, do you want? Do you have Netflix? No, I don't. Oh darn! There was a movie on Netflix that I made Neil watch last week that was great for the wrong. What was it called? I think we're alone now. I think we're alone now. Well, it's, while it's you describe this movie, I'm gonna hit the bathroom. It's about a 50-year-old autistic man who is obsessed with Tiffany to the point where he stalks her. Is Tiffany in this movie? She is. And she's playing herself? It's not a movie. It is a documentary. Really? Yes. I have to see this now. <laughs> this guy is, like, out there. He uh, He's autistic. He, he's actually... He has Asperger's. He, uh... What, what am I thinking? It He actually got arrested because he wanted to present Tiffany a katana. <laughs> Wait, how did this guy make a movie? He didn't make the movie. Someone made the movie about him. And what, they were following him around trying to find Tiffany? No, they asked him, hey, can we record about your life? And he said, sure. So they made a documentary about him and another of Tiffany Stalker, this man who decided he wants to be a woman because when he was in a coma, he had a fantasy about him being a woman being married to Tiffany. All right, how many times does the Tiffany Playboy issue show up? Actually, it does show up quite – it does show up, and it it actually does show up and because uh, because that's how this, this uh, autistic guy got into Playboy collecting. He shows up at a, at a Playboy convention showing all these Playboys he has to other collectors. And are the pages sticking together? Uh. Uh, Neil, you saw that part where he's trying to tell his pastor about how great it was at the porn collect at the porn convention, right? Yeah. And the, <laughs> the pastor is just smiling and nodding. I, I just Wait, love how, how he has no idea why that's inappropriate. <laughs> All right, and this is called I Think We're Alone Now. Yeah. Yes. All right, I, you know what? I'm an Amazon Prime member. I have to look to see if I can rent this. It's, <laughs> oh. it's, it's better than The People versus George Lucas. Yeah. All right, well, I actually have to run because uh, I got some stuff to do, and I call it a night. But thank you guys for having me on. No problem. And, and if you seriously want me on for that Beast Wars episode, um, let me know. Okay, and uh, Neil... but, but I should but I should tell you the only season I've seen straight through is season two, and that was because it was recommended to me because it featured all the G1 Autobots. Asleep. Well, yeah. And and that's where Neil goes more bullshit. Yeah, I just... bullshit. I'll let I'll let Neil, I'll let Neil explain that really quickly. Um, I don't 
really know what to explain. It's just it. You know, if I wanted to see the G1 characters, I'd watch G1. I don't, it's like, oh, here, here's all the here's all the characters, but they're dead. Yeah, and uh, White Love was. Uh, I actually showed Neil optimal situation, and Neil screamed to the screen, "Fuck you, optimal Optimus!" <laughs> well, yeah, but no, she's again. That that's that was their way to try and show, hey, look, this is this is the continuation of G one. See, there's the G one Autobots. It was it was yeah. when optimal Optimus said, "Transform it all out." Yeah, Neil was. I was. That, that, that's all he could take. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, just shoot me an email. Let me know when you guys are going to be ready. Okay. okay Neil, do you right. want to just chuck on it or do you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And maybe in the future, a rebuttal by a Beast Wars fan. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think you want me on with a Beast Wars fan because I will basically just start screaming at them. You're a shut in, you know, <laughs> go, you know, you're, you're a dirty 20 year old who knows nothing about life. Oh, I'll my. start I'll start posting porno links in the chat window and go here. This is what a naked woman looks like. You've obviously never seen. <laughs> oh, by the way, by the way, Tiffany actually grew up pretty hot. Yeah. Well, you you know it's funny. Um, this past Tuesday, I interviewed the voice actor who was uh, Storm Shadow and Renegades, mm. and you know this was his first you know big acting role, and he was told you know when he was going to a convention, he was pulled aside and said, look. You just so you know, you need to be prepared for people to come up to you and start asking you about questions like in C- in episode two of season three, you Wizard did, did this, you know, and then in C- but but that contradicts, you know, but but and they said something like you need to know your shit, and I said to him, and this says no, this is what you do, you have a Playboy with you, and if you ever get somebody who asks you a question like that, just open up to the centerfold and go, this is what a naked woman looks like. You probably have never seen one before. Actually, I I liked I liked the episode of uh, of uh, of the Simpsons that did that, where basically the answer was continually a wizard did it, a wizard did it, wizard. Yeah. What was it, the Xena episode? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I, actually, um, have you have you guys ever heard about um? Oh God, what's his name? Um. Oh um. Oh. Uh, Prowl. Who's the voice? Um, Prowl's voice actor. Michael Bell. Michael Bell. Yes. Here, here. Michael Bell when he was at a convention and um, talking about voice acting and, you know, basically the need to like really be a voice actor and not just do impersonations. He basically said over a PA system, it's great you have a big dick, but if you don't know how to use it, it's worthless. <laughs> basically, oh. there were people walking out of that that um, panel in tears cracking up and they started repeating the line. So between the first panel and the second panel, the guys um, running the show had to pull them aside and said, uh, Mike, you need to watch the language. We had children in the audience whose parents now have to explain to them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, lots of voice actors make a career of impersonating voices uh, like Jim Cummings. Yes. Oh, that's right. Episode 103 of uh, of Animation Mission Out is just us going, uh, oh, and Jim Cummings did this voice. Because it's all Disney afternoon. It's all Jim <laughs> Cummings. There is no vi- Disney voice department. There's just Jim Cummings. It's Jim Cummings. Who uh, got a lawsuit because he sounds too much like like Louis Prima. Well, hey, you know, it is what it is. That actually happened. Yeah, it did. So, so they they had to get rid of King Louis from uh, well, actually Louis 
from yep. a tailspin. So, so in any other future media, it's not Louis. It's his cousin Larry, who's also voiced by Jim Cummings, but he's doing a completely different voice because Disney actually got sued. That's just, yeah, and probably one of the few times Disney lost. The funny thing is this: it's the whole impersonating celebrities for voices and cartoons. That would have brought Hanna Barbera to a screeching halt in the '60s. All those characters are based on real actors. I mean, I mean, Jackie Gleason could have shut down Hanna Barbera with one foul swoop. Yeah, and the only reason why he didn't was because he thought the Flintstones were going to get canceled. Yeah, I thought it was because a friend of him told told him, "Do you really want to be the guy who gets rid of the Flintstones?" Oh. And he was actually friends with the guy who did the the Fred voice. Until until the guy who did the Fred voice said to him, Jackie, I gotta be honest with you, I'm doing your voice. Alan Reed, yeah. And then Jackie Lee says to that, Get out of my house. Uh, all right, well, seriously, let me run. All right, see you. All right, later. Yeah, no. I'll talk to you. Take care, guys. All right, all watch right. the documentary and tell us what you think. We'll do. All right, good night. Bye bye. <laughs>